Let us pray. Lord of faith and life, into the hopelessness and uncertainty of our lives, speak your gracious and life-giving word. Call us out of darkness into a new day with you. May we be released from those things that bind us and become witnesses to your saving power so that others may also find life in all its fullness. In your name and for your kingdom we pray. Amen. Well, it was April Fool's Day yesterday, and I hope none of you got caught out before 12 noon. On my Saturday Quiet Time radio program, I mentioned that it was National Pet Month that began uh, yesterday too, and I couldn't help, uh, as I was encouraging people to promote responsible pet ownership and celebrate the relationship between pets and people, I couldn't resist telling people about a new law that will be soon released uh, now that Brexit process has actually begun. The legislation will insist that all pets over four inches tall should be shielded from the sunshine in the future and wrapped up by their owners in some way. Up until now, this has been prevented by strange EU uh, legislation, but should now be possible, and it's going to be insisted upon legally, protecting animals from dangerous UV rays, which are the result of global warming, but also boosting sales in British uh, handmade animal garments and special pet-friendly sunglasses. Honest. I also mentioned the debate over VAT on these items and whether they would be rateable or duty-free like child's, children's clothing. Well, I'm sure some people were uncertain as to whether it was an April Fool or not, uh, or whether they just thought the world really is going mad now. But I did feel a little bit guilty afterwards, after having a little bit of fun, because it's hard to know what to believe these days, even on April Fool's Day. Some stories seem strange, but in fact are genuine. Others, uh, in the fake news bracket, seem believable, but are not. And in the dictionaries at the moment, this year's new phrases include fake news and post-truth, relating, of course, to uh, things around Brexit and Trump and the like. We're not sure what's a joke or untrue and what's not. Our faith in truth can become severely tested. And it doesn't help that we live in such uncertain times with people being able to exploit our consumption of social media, for example, and manipulate it and use us too. The truth and the hope, where is it to be found these days? Well, one of the reasons why we have Digital Dan, as I call him, uh, Dan Forshaw, our digital media coordinator, is because we believe in the church that in the midst of all these messages, messages of truth and light should be present. The church needs to be speaking truth clearly 
and confidently, giving hope in an uncertain and ever-changing world. And it is uncertain. Just think of some of the things in the news at the moment. Our Prime Minister, Theresa May, has triggered Article 50. And no one really knows where that will lead us. There's been concern and caution here in Westminster following the awful events of a week and a half ago. There's the uncertain threat of terrorism globally. There's the news of 16 million facing starvation in East Africa, on all alongside the personal challenges that we face in our own lives, in our work, in our relationships, in our finances, relating to our health concerns or those we love, the shock, the hurt, the sadness of our own bereavements too. Where is the hope? Well, our gospel lesson was about the raising of Lazarus. It's the last and the most important of the seven signs that are recorded in John's gospel. And John's signs were there recorded to point us to truth, not fake news. Signs helping the uncertain to find faith. To give you a quick rundown of the signs or miracles in John's gospel, turning water into wine, the healing of the royal, healing of the royal official's son, the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethsaida, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on water, the healing of the man born blind that we thought about uh, just recently, but also the raising of Lazarus. And these are seven signs put together by John uh, other Gospels recorded the miracles in different ways, but he does this in a particular way. And he writes at the end of his Gospel, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John tells the story of the raising of Lazarus for a reason. And his interest is in far more than in the fate of his good friend. After all, Lazarus would have to die again one day physically. His raising from the dead was a sign of something deeper, even more significant. And some would argue that these Ultimately, these seven signs ultimately point towards an eighth sign, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, through which Jesus himself then becomes the sign, pointing us to the truth about the Father, our God in heaven, enabling us to find a relationship with our maker, enabling us to find that life in all its fullness that is mentioned in John 10.10. 10. And all through, faith is in the truth of the cross and the resurrection. Hope for the world, even in these uncertain days. This is the third of uh, three long passages in John's Gospel that we've been looking at in succession. And it points towards the resurrection of Jesus. But this is Passion Sunday. We haven't yet got to Easter We're thinking about the reality 
of the pain before the hope. And John wants us to believe, even in uncertain times, even when our faith is severely tested, that there is hope. And Jesus wanted to demonstrate this. So let's think about the responses to Lazarus's illness first and then also his death. And we think of some of the characters that are here in the story. There's Mary and Martha and Thomas and the disciples and the Jewish people that were there. And of course, Jesus too. First of all, in uncertain times, our faith can be severely tested. We can have trust, but women are the central characters in this story. Martha and Mary send word to Jesus about this illness that Lazarus has. And they're also the ones later that send for Jesus to come to them. And the faith of these sisters is impressive. It's greater than the male disciples. The sisters believe that the Lord can heal their brother. But Jesus delays his coming and Lazarus dies. They have faith, but... Now, you may have great faith, but sometimes that faith can be tested for all sorts of reasons, especially when the answers to your prayers don't come when you want them to come. At least they're not answered in the way that we would like. But though there is confusion, the faith of Martha and Mary is well placed. And in his own time, Jesus does transform the situation. And the first thing I want to say today is the truth, that can be true for us today as well. Sometimes when things are uncertain and we're tested, we need to trust Faith, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I trust him. And I urge you, if you're going through a testing time at the moment, be persistent in your prayers for others. Be persistent in your intercession for the needs of the world and for those who are in authority. The Bible tells us to do that. Be persistent in bringing your own needs to the Lord. For despite how you feel in your situation, in doing that, you open yourself up to what God can do, which might be different to what we expect. You open yourself to his guiding. You open yourself to his healing. You open yourself ultimately for his will in your life. And you may well experience miracles of grace that give you hope. So we may trust, but if there's a delay, hold on. In uncertain times, our faith can be severely tested. We can have if-onlys, but Martha, if you had been Martha said, if you had been here, things would have been different. She seems to accuse Jesus of indifference. Why didn't you come immediately? You knew what the situation was. And it probably wasn't just the delay that was the problem. 
there were probably all sorts of other if-onlys going on in her mind. Perhaps things that she should have done for Lazarus, and she's feeling guilty about that too. And our lives are full of if-onlys. If only I'd done that. If only somebody else had done this. We can think about it in our politics, in our world. I'm sure it was actually true for Jesus. We don't know. But I'm wondering if when he made that decision to say two days, even though he knew what would happen, I'm wondering whether he was feeling maybe he should have gone. I don't know. All I know, if he was human, all sorts of things would have gone through his heart and his mind. But our all-knowing Lord was far from heartless. He knew ultimately what was to happen. And he uses the miraculous event to point towards eternal life. For when we have if-onlys, we shouldn't wallow in them. We need to turn towards the one who can help us ultimately. For life will be punctuated by death. And eternal life is promised. Everything is in the perspective of eternity and that should change the way we live. So if you have if-onlys, have faith. Put them beside, behind you. Turn to the one who can make a difference. Now I hinted that Jesus may have had if-onlys. I don't know. But just remember Gethsemane. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. If only we didn't have to do it this way, Lord. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. That has to be our prayer when we're uncertain. If we're full of if-onlys, let the Lord's will be done now in my life. Whatever's gone on in the past... Let's move on. But Jesus accepted God's will. Even though evil seemed to be winning, he held on, and so must we. Then in uncertain times, our faith can be severely tested. We can have tears, but Jesus loved this family. He loved people. He had compassion for people. His tears were real and heartfelt. Just like other occasions when he wept, like over Jerusalem, when he prepares to face the crucifixion in Gethsemane. He weeped, wept. We're not 100% what particularly moved him here in this occasion. We can guess. Uh, it was probably the love of his friend. But it could have been he was weeping over the power of the enemy of death. Perhaps he, in that moment, looked his own death in the face. Or was it sadness at the unbelief of all those around him? Or was it all of the, the above? Faith doesn't make us immune to tears or grief or heartbreak, if you are broken and weeping tears, that doesn't make you any the less a Christian. They're holy tears often of love, but we know that our God cares. 
but Jesus will wipe away the tears. Sometimes now, sometimes promise for the future, but he is trustworthy. There's no fake news here. It's true for me and it's true for you too. We shall celebrate that truth on Easter Day. One day all things will be well. Remember Revelation? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne has said, I am making all things new. And then he said, write this down. For these words, not fake news, are trustworthy and true. Sometimes we have tears, but, but. In uncertain times, our faith can be severely tested. We can be hesitant, but. The disciples found it really hard to believe what Jesus was saying. They hadn't really understood. When Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death, and then he died. <laughs> Couldn't kind of get their heads around this. And then he wanted them to return to Judea. <laughs> Fearful he and they might be stoned. Lord, what are you on about? They hadn't understood what Jesus was saying. We see it time and time again, but we're just like that. We know, but we don't know. And when we're uncertain, that's when we start to question. And questioning's not wrong. But we need to see if there are answers to those questions. What do you mean, Lord? By he's fallen asleep. Jesus bluntly says, he is dead, but. The pessimistic Thomas expresses what everybody's thinking. Oh, well, let's go and die with him then. Let's go into this dangerous situation. We die with him. Thomas, he says what everybody's thinking. Hesitant to believe that good will win through in the end. And Mary was emotional, but she was passive. Hesitant, not like Martha, who went out to meet the Lord. She stayed at home, awaiting Jesus' call. Martha was the one who moved herself. Mary, was she hesitant? And we can be hesitant in our faith in uncertain times for all sorts of reasons, Sometimes to do with lack of faith. Sometimes we are just feeling hopeless. Or maybe we're fearful. And it might be doubting the truth of God's call on our lives. But, despite our hesitancy, Jesus says to Lazarus, he will rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. In uncertain times, our faith can be severely tested, but we can find hope. Lazarus certainly was dead. I can think of a Monty Python uh, sketch coming on about the parrot. He was dead. Dead. They needed to get their head round that. He was dead. He'd been in the tomb for four days. There's no way he could be revived. Yet despite Jesus' weeping for Lazarus, in the midst of that uncertain, hopeless situation, what does Jesus do? 
he prays to his father, thanking God that he hears his prayers, that his prayers will be answered. And he then prays for the benefit of all those that can hear him pray. And he speaks to the situation. He speaks to Lazarus. He calls him out of the tomb. And his dear, once dead friend comes out of the tomb. Yes, it seems hopeless. It seems there's no way out. Jesus prays and calls. And we see Lazarus wonderfully restored and those things that bind him are thrown off. In all this, including the details of the tomb and the grave clothes, Jesus was pointing ahead to what was going to happen. Yet the disciples, as we know for later in the story, still hadn't got the message. Uh, I can't blame them for that. Because I know the end of the story, I preach it from a pulpit, but when it comes down to it, at times we all struggle with it. We believe it, but. And in response to all of this, Martha sees what happens. And like Peter's great confession, which was hugely significant, we have another hugely significant confession here. Jesus is the Messiah, the penny drops, the Son of God. There is hope. If this is true, then there is hope. And John tells us that many of the Jews there believed because of what they saw. And he hopes as we read this, that we will see the sign and we will do the same. Hold on to faith. I find it really interesting here. It's a little bit puzzling, but in John's gospel, in his introduction to this particular story, he mentions which Mary he's talking about. You know, she's the one who poured perfume on our Lord's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Okay? But that actually hasn't happened yet in John's gospel. It happens in the next chapter. So he's alluding to something that's just about to happen when he tells this story. And I think that's significant because I think he's saying to us, this instant here is why she did this beautiful thing here. This had a profound impact on Mary. So by mentioning what hasn't happened yet, there's a pointer to the response And we don't see a great deal of response in this story. We don't really know how things changed in their lives or what they thought of what happened. But all we knew is Mary did a beautiful thing. Despite our uncertainties in life, how will we respond to what we have already witnessed about our faith? And what beautiful things will we do for him holding on to what will ultimately happen when good triumphs. We're about to sing a hymn. You'll be glad because that means we're coming to the end of the sermon. It's written by a Baptist minister called Dr. William Young Fullerton. And he conducted many evangelistic missions across the British Isles and he became the Home Secretary of the Baptist Missionary Society. And when Fullerton wrote this hymn, he wrote it with a strong missionary flavour in 1929. He declared in this hymn that Christ 
is the saviour of the entire world. Good news, not fake news. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life in an uncertain world. But the hymn has a wonderful structure to it. It expresses uncertainty and yet faith. Expressed so well by the haunting melody of London Derriere. Each stanza is in two parts. First, I cannot tell why. And then there's the answer. But this I know. When faith is severely tested and you don't know the answers, when you're uncertain, hold on to what you do know and let it carry you through to the glory of Easter. And as we sing it together, I hope we will sing this as an expression of our holding faith. We don't know it all, but we do know this. And I pray that that verse from Hebrews will be in our minds as we sing. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Amen. Let us stand and sing.